Welcome to Season 9 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Are you passionate about leadership education? Do you want to expand your resource toolbox with practical teaching, learning, and program design strategies? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Before we get into this episode, Dan and I are calling out all of you leadership educators. Are you struggling to spice up your learning activities? Do you need somebody to bounce your ideas off of that has no stakes in the game? Meaning they're not your students, they're not your faculty peers, they're not your dean? Well, connect with us for expert guidance on creating engaging and inclusive classroom learning environments. Are you an academic leader seeking a program reviewer? Dan has availability this semester and would love to help you elevate your approach with customized feedback on your program. You can reach out to both of us through LinkedIn today. Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And normally we would be coming to you and saying this is the end of our season and talking about all the great guests we had and the amazing experiences we had. But we have a few more people and topics to discuss. So we talked about generative learning and leadership, and we thought that it would be helpful if we continue this conversation. And so this is more of a mid-season break episode, just meaning we're going to take a pause for our regular winter break. Um, However, we're still going to continue with this topic. Um, We still have more to learn and share, and we didn't feel right moving forward with so many questions. Um, So now, Dan, I know I have a bunch of things to talk about, but I also know you have a bunch of things because one of the things we both do is we we take notes and we listen to our guests and give them feed like and, and we're in these conversations and then afterwards when you and I talk we debrief and share kind of the meaningful moments of this so I would love to hear something maybe you learned or took away from some of the earlier episodes in uh this season yeah and Laura, we're just having so much fun this season that we just can't help ourselves. <laughs> and then I think uh, as well, so kind of, uh, you know, we got to practice what we preach, right? So if we're generative learners, we're always learning. And so we're following suit there. And as we uh, continue to, we realize if we're going to be generative, we can't be done yet. Um, with this <laughs> So it really has been one of the most interesting and thought-provoking while we certainly followed the themes and and stayed true to that, you know, generative is somewhat broad. And so, you know, we've, we've had folks talking about te- a lot about technology, but a lot of also about disruption and, and DEIJ issues. And I mean, just going in so many different directions, but, but all of this is like, how do we respond? How do we adapt to all these things that are going on in our places and spaces where we're trying to facilitate leadership, education, uh, training and development. And so, I mean, two things, I think uh, jump out to me that that I was excited to learn, and I think I want to want to learn more about. I think the the first one just really continue to to geek out on the whole Chat GPT and artificial intelligence type of thing. And when we had Dr. Joey Crawford on from the University of Tasmania talking about the ethical uses of Chat GPT, one of the things that really resonated for me, and I brought this to we had our, our last 
meeting uh, of our college unit uh, on Zoom uh, last Friday and AI came up again, you know, and it was nice to be around, you know, 40 something faculty that were able to make that meeting. And, you know, so I shared the podcast episodes that we had done and that, you know, one of the things that really jumped out to me from that conversation being that using ChatGPT and empowering students to learn how to use it to be to work smarter, not harder, to do it in an ethical way that it's not cheating. It's that it's your caddy, right? It's your, it's giving you an alley-oop. It's, it's part of your support system. And so how it can build, I guess, and develop learners' capacity to be better writers, to, and I've felt more comfortable, and, and I've noticed that my colleagues at the university and other faculty that I interact with regularly from other parts of the of the world just being like, yeah, you know, I, I'm using it to help me outline this or to develop a rubric or just getting more comfortable with it and not feeling, I really feel like we felt, you know, Brene Brown would be all over this, right? Like, did we have shame when we first started using, um, (laughs) you know, chat GPT in its early days? And I really tried to take up approach of like, no, this isn't a cheating tool. This is a, a helping tool. You know, and so when I, I always I have so much, you know, empathy for for students that are like, oh, I, you know, I, I meant I, I was going to start this writing assignment. And then I had a panic attack or or just I'm having so much anxiety about, you know, this. Or, and it's like, get yourself started with the chat GPT and 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 what are other ways to you know to use that? Um, and, and certainly for grad students, too, when I'm thinking about, you know, now we're in the midst of conference proposal season. And, you know, I just got off a a Zoom call before Lauren and I jumped on today where we might be, I'm not going to share who, but we might be the first ones to submit a proposal for one of our big conferences because we started working on it several months ago. And uh, it would be kind of funny. I don't think I've ever submitted a conference proposal in December for uh, ALE or ILA, but um, if we end up with uh, proposal submission number one, I'll be, uh, that could be Right. I'll put that in my pro in my uh, post tenure review. Right. I'm uh, all about being the first sometimes. <laughs> so, so that's a fun one. And then I think the the other thing that um, I'm really just continue to be really curious about was um, so we we had Dr. Wendy Edmonds on to talk about toxic followership and the uh, work that she had done with the Jonestown massacre. You know, I I, I provide a little bit of coverage of um, we read one of Barbara Kellerman's articles on bad leadership, which of course aligns with her her whole book on bad leadership. She's got the Leaders Who Lust book that came out in the last couple of years. She's she's all over the toxic and the bad leadership stuff. And so it's interesting to see Wendy's perspective on the toxic followership side. And Barbara preaches, you know, wax is poetic, I guess I'll say around, just like we are not spending enough time talking about the bad, the dark sides of leadership. Like we're always talking about how to be effective and what's good about leadership. But when leadership goes awry, like, ooh, okay. Why are people following? And why do we let bad leaders continue to stay in their roles and their positions? And, and what, what makes them so so locked lock tight that we can't remove them from these bad positions? And how do we professionalize leadership? You know, I know I'm dropping a lot of Kellerman stuff here, but I've got a lot of doc students too that are really interested and like perplexed by this phenomenon of like the bad and the toxic leadership and followership. And so I'm curious to see uh, if some dissertation projects come out of um, some of what they're reading and what they're learning from conferences and and other things. And there's just so much to explore in that area or kind of like sub-discipline of our academic pursuits of of leadership. You know, you, you make so many good comments, but really quickly on that last comment, I feel like there should be a book and I don't know if it exists because I haven't memorized all the, the leadership education textbooks, but I, I feel like- 
No, not yet. But uh, but I but this is why I'm saying it to you, because I know you have like you would know this, but I almost feel like there needs to be this book like good teaching, good leading, because mm -hmm. a lot of what I'm I'm seeing is teaching and leading are very similar. But I get the sense that and this is more the faculty development side, just that we haven't built that bridge yet. It's almost like the two sides are almost there and maybe they're missing a little bit of like something to connect it so people can walk back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, some of what I've been reading is just that most faculty leadership talks about being department chair, being dean, and there's not enough on being a leader in your classroom and adopting good leadership practices as an instructor. Um, where I kind of stumbled into this was when I was looking back and forth between caring teaching and caring leadership. So there's some authors who talk a lot about large lecture, um, how to uh, be engaging with students in large lecture classrooms, and they get into it a little bit, but there's not a ton of it out there. So I feel like when you get your students together, that's that's the umbrella term. Let me write the forward, but get them together and have them, them do that piece. Um, the other thing I wanted to say Going kind of back to the chat GPT pieces, you know, Joey talked about the social part of it, and but then Bert posed it in a question, like, how are we digitizing leadership? I think it's like, I'm paraphrasing his question, but it was so interesting because he gave the example of like putting your assessment results into chat GPT. And, and I felt like the emoji, the mind blown emoji, because it's like, you know, I never thought about something like that. And I did it. And it the, the theme that I've picked up from everybody this season is you can use it, but you still have to know what right looks like and what questions to ask and how to use it. So it, it changes the skills we need. However, it's still, like you said, a very useful tool. It's just, how do you go into that? And, and Bert said he he's curious and then he, until he pivots or once he feels like he's learned, then he kind of moves on. And I, I, I that stuck with me so much because he had named something I think I, I I felt and had been thinking, but just the way in that episode for our audience, if you have not listened to that, go back and listen to that, that episode with Bert from CCL, because he frames it in a way that makes me now think, what leadership stuff can I put into um, a chat GPT or another generative uh, text website? Um, I've heard Khan Academy, you can do some of this stuff with, but what websites are out there? And, and But then how are we look at, looking at how we digitize leadership? I obviously don't have the answer, but I do want us to find some more people to talk about that space because I, uh, it's it's pretty interesting the logistics of it, but it also and this is to Joey's credit, like it'll it'll make us think even deep more deeply about the ethics of all that we're doing in that space. So, so yeah, more of a comment, not a question. Yeah, no, you're, you've been you've been good at those uh, this season. <laughs> so, um, but I think yeah, or and, and I and I'm guilty as well of uh, my of having like eight heart you know questions and and, and so <laughs> the guests have been very kind. Uh, but my my students are just I get the deer in headlights and I'm like they're like yeah, Doctor J, you just asked us like eight questions in one comment. I was like okay, let's let's break that down just a little bit. But you know I, I liked your point about and you know I think that folks like you know like Parker Palmer and others have written a, a little bit too or alluded to this like you know leading is teaching, teaching is leading. Um, I know uh, Stephen Brookfield's written a little bit about some of those types of things. And, and back, you know, way back when, when we had David Franklin on to talk about the, the statistics yeah, yeah. and using that case in point approach and the Ron Heifetz stuff. And I think, I mean, that's always been a huge part of 
my teaching philosophy and 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 something I talk about in the leadership education class we teach here at at uh, at Southern Maine around just like you know modeling the way and modeling teaching practices, facilitator practices, inclusive practices, you know, with that idea that you will take the culture that you experienced in a leadership classroom and hopefully apply that to your own context and your organizations and your communities. We see it, but does a chemistry professor see it? Right, right. That's, that's, you know, that's the, that's the, the crux of it. Yeah, I feel it. Maybe I do like that. I know we don't like to do Google searches in the middle. I feel like there's like a like teaching as a way of leading. Um, but yeah, I so 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 there are elements that exist, but there's not. The, the, I feel like it. I feel like this. We have a small section at the bottom of the least traveled aisle at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and we need prime. We need that prime end cap space right by the self-checkout where you're standing there waiting in line and you're grabbing some things. We Mm. need like the M&M space at the checkout line. And right now we may be in the back with the plant-based food, plant-based nutritional cultural foods that don't get their proper respect. So yeah, so so it it exists, but I just feel like there's such a push now, especially when we, and we kind of go back to the genesis of our our theme around this idea of our problems are getting more complex. Like we used to be talking about like the plagiarism checker in my LMS platform used to be enough. And now I'm, and and now I'm having to really think about how do I address when students cheat? How can they use chat GPT in my class? How do I set boundaries so that they're not failing assignments because they've overstepped on those boundaries? And then how am I communicating this in a way that they get it and, and receive it and understand it? So again, I feel like this is all just more of what we want to continue to talk about. But I think it's it's important that we're having these conversations because if you and I are talking about this, then we know our, our colleagues and others are talking about this. And so there's got to be a way to kind of keep pushing these conversations in this space. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And it was just, it was such a, just such a fun season or, or, or half point of our season again to kind of stay with, stay true to what we've, what we're bringing here in this, in this check-in episode here. One of the things that I'd love for us to, to dive into too, like, you know, what, what was, for you, Lauren, like what was an episode that was like that you found was important to you as you what as a we, question. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not gonna get over the fact that Bruce invited us out to visit him in oh, Washington. Yeah? Bruce Volio. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've all everybody, if you've written something, you've cited his work. And and the way he came on and and one of the things I loved was he was so pleasant and he would kind of go back and forth talking high-level leadership. And then go back and forth talking Ted Lasso, you know, so I, I just appreciated that conversation. Um, I appreciated Sonia's humility. You know, it, it's it's so it's such a privilege and a blessing to talk to the folks that we do. And it's refreshing to engage with folks who feel like they still have work to do or they still are curious about something as we're celebrating this lifetime of work that has has had such a great impact on the field. Um, they both seem like they're still energized and inspired to continue to, to continue to pursue change like even with all the greatness they've done they're still like oh no no no, we've got work to do we've got to make things better and so i appreciate in those conversations how we're able to to go back and forth ask tough questions um ask deep questions and and you know we try to do this like we don't want our interviews to sound like every other interview and really kind of finding like the crux of what's important and different for people to hear that better informs their practice so so those kind of episodes and pairing 
really were meaningful this semester and as you know those ILA episodes have been been helpful uh, helpful meaningful yeah um, what about you what, what stood out which episode was was a you had a lot of uh takeaways from so yeah I mean I I I mean, definitely echoing you with Bruce and Sonia, like just those are folks that have just had huge influences on my writing and my thinking about about leadership and had colleagues in my network just say, oh, you know, wow, that must have been so much fun to, and and were you nervous? And I mean, yeah, a little bit with with those folks. I mean, we've had some, definitely had, definitely done some fanboying and fangirling on this show before um, (laughs) with with people that were just fortunate, as you said, and and blessed or whatever to, um, to have those opportunities and with connections to our supporting associations with the ILA and the ALE to to be able to um, have some of these opportunities to to engage with these folks. Um, I'd say too the the episode that we did with my colleague at, at USM, uh, Dr. Libby Bischoff, who runs the Oster Map Library, and I just we were one of the first people I met at the university, and just have such tremendous respect for for her and having an opportunity to share you know her knowledge, uh, expertise, and wisdom with our audience. Uh, you know, and she's she's super humble as well, and. I just always benefited so much from working with her at the university on different committees. And and we always found ourselves on things that were like pedagogy forward, like practitioner focus. Like that's where we tended to find ourselves in the same space, like whether it was around our like Center for Collaboration and Development, which is kind of our like center for teaching at the university or helping being on the same committee to put the logistics or the planning or whatever to create teaching symposia. Like we brought DFINC to our campus a couple of times and we were, we found ourselves again working on that kind of stuff. And she, she also taught me an interesting life lesson. She's like, you know, I got a good compliment from her early on in my career there around being a contributing and, and, and helpful member of campus committees. And she said, be careful, Dan, because uh, there's this thing called the curse of the competent. I was like, well, what's that? She's like, people realize that you uh, know what you're talking about or that you can actually like get stuff done. Like you're going to find yourself on more committees than uh, <laughs> you might want to be. So she's like, be careful. It's OK to say no. And so because I, I watched, I've watched her career because she's just a couple years ahead of me in her trajectory and how long she's been at the university. And and folks know, like you asked Libby to, to be on, on your committee, like stuff's going to get done or she's going to be like, I ain't got time for this, you know? Um, type of thing. And so that's a fun life lesson that that's certainly like, yes, of course, be competent, right? And, and be authentic. <laughs> but that that also perhaps gives you a little bit more credibility to and perhaps power and influence, but just the authority maybe to to say no, because like you you got a lot of stuff you're doing and you're doing it well. I, let me tell you, I didn't know that was a thing, but now that you're saying it, I wish they gave us like t-shirts so we could wear them. So when people see it, maybe they don't ask us or, or put it in the Zoom, you know, Zoom ask you what's your pronouns. My pronouns is the curse of the competence. That's right. Um, but but in all in all seriousness, the, I was reading this article on faculty development and teaching. And one of the things they said is how often do you get outside of your space, your, your school or college department? And are you talking to people from other areas of your university um, and even other universities. And while it's helpful to just have those conversations, it's also helpful to watch people teach. And, you know, to your point with Libby being such a a rich resource for you outside of your space, um, I wonder how many people like get that lesson 
and, and are able to do that. Like I'm fortunate, I've been at my institution, I've been in this community for 24 years. And so some of the relationships I have date back to my first day, month, year on campus. And, and so I can go in those spaces and, and be in the College of Science Technology or College of Education without being or feeling like traitorous to my home school or college, you know, like, you know, we, we do still work in silos, but prior relationships have been able, have helped me navigate those spaces. But to your point, you still have to get your commitments done and what you need done. It's that curse of the competent is good advice. Um, my dissertation chair gave me that conversation and I kind of listened better than I used to, but to your point, it, it, it's a very valid one to have. Um, you talked a little bit about um, Libby, but then you also mentioned Wendy earlier, and I didn't know if you wanted to circle back because one of the things I appreciated with Wendy and with Bruce, we asked them research questions. So our audience listening last year, last season, we did a whole research season. We even went into the summer with research episodes and we asked Bruce because he's so highly cited and, and, and his research is, is so, you know, is just so widely downloaded. Like what, what's the key to that? And he talked a lot about collaboration to your point, working together. Um, We also talked to Wendy and the thing I love about Wendy is she almost like, she was like IRB red flags. Like she had a sensitive topic. She had an international incident. She, you know, was, was talking about murder and like, so you you read your IRB and you're like, who's really doing this? And it was like, Wendy's doing it. But then she, the, the, the strategies and the stories and the value she was able to share because of, of being, I don't even know if fearless is the right word, but but just being courageous and taking that step to hear and, and find the beauty in the stories in, in that space. So if you haven't listened to Wendy's episode on toxic followership, please do. Um, but one of the things I just appreciated was, you know, a lot of the things that especially in the research process, maybe we, we don't experience, she gave a very vivid experience of what that was like. And so for those of our listeners that are, are researchers and scholars, you know, there's still some gems in those episodes, um, even though the primary conversation isn't about research. So I thought that was super helpful. Yeah, that's an interesting point around Bruce's uh, emphasis that I know he shared both at his session at ILA and, and with us about the the importance and the benefits of, of collaboration. And it, it's funny because now I have I didn't make this connection before, but last year we interviewed Dr. Susan Kamavez and she had received the same award at the ILA conference yeah. last year. And she talked about all the collaborative work and the value of that and how that nothing gives her more good feels or whatever you want to say than uh, or gratitude of being able to to she's a master connector right I, I didn't necessarily get that sense from from Bruce about that approach to it just like that he found so much value in collaborating and said y'all should do the same like don't just be in your own silos like do that and uh, and and Susan talked about all you know that. You know, not only does she just uh, she have a, a significant skill set there to to connect people that have similar interests or, or what have you, but also the uh, the value of doing that and and challenging yourself to to work, you know, and to to not be afraid to reach out to that person that you know the worst they can say is no, but if they say yes, you know, you might have someone that you end up having a you know sparking a. a a collaboration or a friendship with for the rest of your career, right? And um, nobody's on, uh, I think our field's very generous and great in that way that, you know, nobody's untouchable. 
Yeah. So let's pause for our 60 seconds of appreciation for, yes. for Dr. Susan Comavis, who we love <laughs> and we know you're listening and we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I will say to your point though, she she the first part of her speech was everybody who I've written with stand right. up and like half the room stood. Uh-huh. And she was like, So I get this award and I'm taking it, but look around. And the thing I appreciated was everybody looked different. It was old, young. Um, there were you know, faculty members or student affairs professionals, like you name it. And, you know, it, it, and she had worked with someone of so many different backgrounds, which I appreciated. But also to your point, if Bruce hadn't surfaced collaboration being the key, I think I'd have been looking for the right methodology or a certain book or another resource. resource. So for him to say that working with other people was the real key to getting um, to, to his success, I, th- I thought was meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And as we're in the, you know, again, in the, in the crux of the uh, conference proposal season for the, we've got the ALE, the ILA, there's the Management and Organizational Behavior Teaching Society, which we've had some folks from that organization on recently. And uh, that conference call for proposals is coming up as well. And so like, don't be afraid to, this is the time to, you know, if you've got someone that you want to partner with, or maybe you've got, you know, three of a kind or what have you, like put that proposal together, take that shot. Man. Are you saying, wait, shoot your scholarship shot? Is that what you're saying? Shoot your scholarship shot. That's right. Um, because I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I think we're lucky that we're in a field where like, I mean, maybe it's different if you're faculty at, at a particular type of institution where like, you just have to be first author or have solo published work. But I don't see that as much in our discipline as I do in others. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's just so much value in having those opportunities to develop those relationships and network with, uh, with like-minded folks and with folks that they're going to challenge your thinking. Yeah. As an NTT, it is not required for my appointment. They're more worried about, am I engaging in the classroom? But the thing I appreciate is we're at a high research institution, so they're never going to say no. And we're surrounded, I'm I'm surrounded by award-winning scholars in this space. And the folks here seem very generous and just helping. So if you're interested, they're never going to turn you away. But I'm fortunate in my role, it is not uh, a requirement. It's more important that I'm in the classroom learning good practices and, and practicing that behavior. So, so Dan, anything else before we, we close out our episode today? I would just say happy holidays to folks. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you so much. It's great uh, having an opportunity to run into a bunch of y'all at the ILA conference in, in Vancouver a couple months ago and certainly uh, look forward to uh, any time that get to interact with anyone who's <laughs> paying attention to what we put into making this podcast reality. Yeah, same. Definitely. We're grateful for our audience, grateful for our guests, um, grateful for each other working together. I know when folks see us, they're like, y'all really get along? We get along so well. So well. If I didn't look at you once a week, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Um, Again, we thank y'all and we hope you have a wonderful end to your semester. Leadership educators who may have a little trouble coming up with creative learning activities to further their course and program learning outcomes are now able to meet with Dan or me to discuss the process they use to ensure engaged and inclusive learning environments. Or if you're an academic leader looking for an external reviewer, Dan brings years of experience in education evaluating leadership programs. Contact us via LinkedIn today. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. 
And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at theleadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators, the Association of Leadership Educators and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.